if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 42 together this morning as we continue our walk through, uh, through the book of John. And if you're, if you're sitting there thinking, wait a second, that sounds familiar, um, you'd be right because if you were here last week, it's the same exact passage that Craig unpacked last week. And, and as we were talking about this week and as I was thinking about this week, I, I love how... Um, you know, oftentimes scripture is this just beautiful multifaceted thing, right? When, when we look at it from one perspective, we can see this, this aspect and then we change it just a little bit. It's like one of those kaleidoscopes, you know, you put up to your eye and, and then you just turn it just a little bit and then it's like, oh, I didn't even see that before and that's beautiful too. And, um, and, and just thinking about this passage, the woman at the well, that we're going to be looking at. I just, I love this passage. And especially as Craig talked last week about how Jesus in this passage basically flips the message of religion on its head. You know, the message of religion, if you, if you were here last week, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go online, go to our website, YouTube, podcast, whatever you need to do. You need to go, go listen to it because it'll fill in what we're going to be talking about this morning a little bit. But, but the message of religion says... I obey, therefore I'm accepted, right? That's the message of religion. If you can just give me, give me the points, give me the, give me the boxes that I need to fill. Uh, and, and lots of times it's so interesting how, to me, this whole message of religion just kind of, it like, it, it's so tricky, right? And, and it kind of just, uh, we don't even realize we're following that mindset until we're like, wait a second, where'd that thought come from? Like, like for me, I remember one time it, it kind of got exposed because it's like, well, you know, like, you know, of course, of course, like, God would not be pleased with me right now. I haven't done my quiet time in like a week and a half. Of course, I wouldn't get a very good parking spot in Walmart because I, my prayer life is just terrible right now. You know, of, of course, I, I'd be succumbing to temptation because I haven't read the Bible very often and God has just taken his covering away from me. That, that's, all, that's all the message of religion and it's so insidious in the ways that it kind of creeps its way in. And what Jesus does in this passage is he flips that on its head and he says, you are accepted. You are accepted. Therefore, obey it's a completely different perspective. That's the message of grace, right? This is the message of religion. If I just do, 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 then I'll be accepted. The message of grace is, ah, oh, I'm accepted. I'm accepted. Oh, so what does it mean for me to, out of that acceptance, out of who I, who God speaks over me, who, who God says that I am, now out of that, what does it look like for me to live a life of obedience to Jesus? Not because I'm trying to get somewhere, but because I'm already there. That's the message of grace. And this week, through that lens, from that platform, what I want to do is I want to ask a question. We're going to look at this passage again, and I want to ask you the question, what determines your direction? Again, through this lens of grace, I'm accepted. I, if, if you are a child of God in here, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have already arrived. You are accepted. God is, 
God smiles at you. He is pleased with you. And what does it look like then from that perspective, from that platform, to ask the question, well, what determines my direction then from this point on? What's it look like for me to, to continue to live? Because I think there are, we're going to look at three different things, three different aspects through this passage that Jesus is inviting his disciples to engage with. Last, last week, Craig kind of talked about who Jesus was going to. This week, I want to talk about who was coming after him. Because what we see is Jesus is setting the pace for his disciples. And, and he's saying, all right, where, what determines your direction? And we're going to look at the fact that, that lots of times what determines our direction can be success. If, I, if things are going well for me, that's going to determine my direction or, or the, the results. I don't, I don't want to engage in a process. I want to get to the destination, right? I don't, want to, I don't want to enjoy the scenery. I want to get there. We got things to do. I got one life to live. Let's get it over with, right? I got, we, got to, we got to go. Or, or the last thing, maybe, maybe for you, it's it, what Jesus is inviting us into is like, hey, it's, it's not about the labels that we wear or how we view other people. It's, it's something more than that. And see, lots of times we can fall into these different ways of thinking so easily. Uh, like, like for me, um, I, I heard a while ago how uh, this different description that was given between how people think. Like uh, this person was saying, some people are hot air balloon thinkers and dreamers and planners, you know, where uh, I, I don't know about you, but there, there are a lot of hot air balloons in Colombia. I've never lived in a place with so many hot air balloons. I don't know if that's like just a thing, like this is where people, you know, hey, you like hot air balloons, move to Columbia, Missouri. I don't know if that's a thing or what, but it feels like it. And every time I see it, I'm always like, how do they know where they're going to land? Like they go up and then it's like, oh, we can go anywhere. And that's kind of the hot air balloon thinker, right? The planner, the world is our oyster. We can do anything. We can go anywhere. Oh, what do you, what's your dreams? What's your vision? What's your, you know, and, and they just... Oh, let's go, you know. And, and then there's the railroad track thinkers. And you can probably tell which one I am, by the way. I just described that, right? <laughs> there's the railroad track thinkers that says, you actually can't do that. You actually can't go anywhere. You actually can't do anything. You actually can't. You, you can go where there's a track, right? You can go where there's, where there's clarity. You see, I, I've, I've had conversations with hot air balloon thinkers where I've got very frustrated, and like, like embarrassingly frustrated. Some of my most heated conversations with hot air balloon thinkers that I de- deeply love come from this, this fact that my, what's determining my direction just got challenged really hard. Because, because the thing for me, that, that railroad track thinking, it's because what determines my direction so often is security, it's safety, is I want, I want to know that I'm not going to get lost. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be years down the road and be like, see, we went where the w- wind takes us and the wind just took us to the slums. Are you happy now? Now we're broke. Right? Because that's what I, you know, it's like worst case scenario thinking. And so what, what determines my direction so much of the time is the safety and security. And yet what we see through this passage this morning, what I want us to look at is the fact that Jesus, again, is inviting his disciples into something different. 
In, in fact, uh, you see it in John chapter 4, um, starting at verse 34, just real quick. 434 says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus is saying the thing that keeps me going, the thing that brings me flourishing, the thing that brings me life, the thing that brings me fulfillment is what? Do you hear me say it? To do the will of him who sent me. You see, the reality, what Jesus is saying and what he's inviting his disciples into, and I believe what he's inviting us into this morning is a different way to think. And, and I believe what he's saying is, deter, is direction determined by mission leads to flourishing. And again, from the platform that we are already accepted. Don't, don't miss that. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you another uh, list to check off. So, well, now I got to give my life away and go to wherever, Sudan, and be a missionary. And that's how God is going to be pleased with me. No, we're already accepted. And yet what Jesus is inviting us into is to say, look, when we allow our direction to be determined by mission, that leads to flourishing. So, so let's look at this together. We're just, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, Craig did that last week, and you can go back and, again, when you listen to the message. Uh, but the first thing that we're going to look at is, again, these just three different areas. Direction determined by mission leads to flourishing. Direction determined by mission, not success. Direction determined by mission, not success. If you look at John 4, 1 through 4, it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, put yourself in the, in the shoes of the disciples. How confusing would this be? Who's, who's baptizing? Who's making disciples? The disciples, right. It's, it's interesting because John, as he's writing this, this historical biography about Jesus, um, he gives these little footnotes. And he's saying, well, although, I mean, it's not, it wasn't Jesus. Jesus wasn't baptizing them. Like the Pharisees are, the, things are being disrupted. The disciples are getting a platform. They're, they're being successful. More people are coming to them. And, and we would look at this, and I'm sure... I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's heretical to say the disciples probably thought this was a good thing. Right? Man, more people are coming. People are getting their lives right. People are engaging with Jesus. People, people are, are changing. This is awesome. Baptisms are happening. And in the midst of that, Jesus, what does he do? Say, hey guys, come on, let's leave. What? See, I, I think so much of the time when we look at what determines our direction, it's, it's what's successful. What's, what's going what's gonna to give me the platform? What's going to be the, uh, the, the easiest route, right? And, and oftentimes I think when, when we look at what Jesus is encouraging his disciples to do is to look at life just a little bit different and to even though the process that he's inviting us into might be confusing, there's an invitation to embrace the confusion, right? Because, because even when, uh, as I was talking to my wife about this, she was saying, yeah, I hear you, but you, you can't say that success is a sign that it's, you're in the wrong direction. That's not, right? And it's like, well, yeah, right. So we can't say, wow, there's a lot of people coming to Compass. 
oh, we, we, better, we better preach on harder things because we, we must be too palatable. We, we, better, we better get, you know, I don't know, worse music so that fewer people will come and that'll show that, that God's really on our side. No, that's not, that's not what we're saying. Right? Because there, there, there can be two ditches when we start to think about this. There can be this kind of asceticism where it's like, I, just, I need to just choose the hardest path because that's probably the one God wants me to have. I'm just going to eat kale for the rest of my life because that's probably what God wants me to do because kale is terrible. Right? And so, so there's, this, there's this path where I've even, I've even talked to uh, young guys who's like, well, I'm never going to get married because my heart wants that too much. So if my heart wants it too much, it must be bad. God must not, must not want that for me. It's like, wow, what do you believe to be true about God? Right? What do you believe? And, and, and again, I, I grew up in the church. I feel like I was indoctrinated by this where, where there were times where people, you know, like being at camp and the, the evangelists be pounding the pulpit. So where is the place that you don't want to go? Because that's probably the place God will send you. And it's like, what, what is that theology? Right? I don't want to say anything out loud. Good thing God can't read my thoughts. Right? What's that theology? What does that make you think about God? God is just this cosmic killjoy that's just waiting. You want to get married? Oh. You, you love ice cream? Oh. You're lactose intolerant. There you go. Like that's, I think that's what we think God is. And yet, yet there can be this other ditch too where it's kind of this licentiousness, this freedom in Christ, this like ultimate like woohoo. I can do anything and I can drink anything and I can go anywhere and I can watch anything and there's no strings on me, right? Like I, Jesus has, has paid my debt and so I, I can do whatever. And it's like, whoa, that's not it either, right? There, there can be this mindset where it's like, if it's hard, it's good. And the, the other side is like, well, that's a closed door. So, I, oh, I better not push against that because it's too hard. And you know, it's like, it's two ditches. And so the the, again, if we're invited to embrace the process, the confusion, what, what do we do with, with that? What does it look like to embrace that? I think Timothy Keller, uh, he, he wrote this really small, really awesome book. Um, he's, he's the pastor up in New York that died here a little while back. Uh, just brilliant, brilliant pastor. He wrote a book called The Art of Self-Forgetfulness. Great book. And in that book, he talked about how, you know, lots of times we think that, that really living into this, uh, allowing uh, our direction to be determined by just like kind of self-hatred or like, I'm just a worm. I'm just this. I'm just terrible. I'm that. He's like, no, the, the, the truth of it, it's not about thinking less of yourself. What it is, it's, it's just thinking about yourself less right? To say, to say, God, here's a situation. What do you want me to know about that? God, here, here's a situation that like, oh God, I, my heart longs for this. What do you want me to know about that? Or God, I don't want this. I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go here. I am scared, God. What does it look like for us to tell the truth in those situations and then say, God, here's the truth of where I'm at. I really want this. God, I don't want this. What do you want me to know about it? What do you want me to do? See, we, we can't just say, oh, it's successful. God's in it. 
Oh, it's so hard. God's not. Oh, it's a big church. I bet they've sold out. Oh, it's a small church. I bet they're not doing it right. See, that, that gets us nowhere. That, that thinking is a cul-de-sac that you can get in and be in forever, and, and then you get miserable and die. That's the end of that story. Who want, sign up? Who wants that? We have a sign-up sheet in the back. Nobody, and I don't think that's what we're called to do. Amen? That is not the life of flourishing that I believe God is calling us into. And, and yet he's, he's inviting the disciples. He say, hey, let's think about this differently. Yeah, it's confusing. Let's embrace the confusion. Because it's not about success. Uh, if, if you go on from there, I think the, the next thing that, that he invites us into is it's direction determined by mission, not results. Direction determined by mission, not results. See, what Jesus does is he engages in a process. And again, that process can be confusing, but nobody gets to circumvent the process. When, uh, when he engages this woman in John uh, 4, 7 through 10, it says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away in the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What, what was this woman coming to the well for? Water. What did Jesus start talking to her about? Water. Living water, right? Let's say it all together. What was Jesus talking to her about? Water. We're all awake and we're all on the same page. Right? He starts talking to her about water because he's in, he's, he's, Coming to the place where she's at. This is where she's at. She's thirsty. It's in the middle of the day. She's hot. She's thirsty. She's coming to get water. And then where does he, where does he end up? John 4.25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. See, Jesus started with where she was at. He, he met her where she's at. Physical need. And then they go into this kind of social need. Where, oh, he starts to call out things that she had done. And then they go into eternal needs. And then, so, so he starts where she's at, begins to lead her, and ends with saying, I'm Messiah. The, the person that you're longing to see, that's me. I'm here. See, lots of times I think for us, I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but it's like, I don't want a process. I just want to get here. I, I don't like, we used, to, we used to travel a lot when our kids were small. We would drive through the night. Because I'm a firm believer, it's not about the, the journey. It's the destination. Right? I mean, that whole idea of like, oh, just relax. Stop at rest stops and just enjoy the scenery. It's like, nope. That's not why I'm driving. Right? That can all be night, and then I wind up at Florida, and we're, hey, we're good to go, right? I can't do that anymore. I'm old, and it's bad news bears if I try. But, but that's, that's what we engage with oftentimes, especially when we're engaging with people, right? The, the fact that so often we want to see growth happen. We want to see growth we want to see people uh, growing in their faith. We want to see people uh, growing and learning who God is. We want to see people developing and maturing. And yet, we don't really want to get into the mess of that. We just want to show up when it's all done. Right? 
I mean, as, as parents, so many times, uh, I, I remember when my kids were small, again, it's like, man, I cannot wait till I don't have to change another poopy diaper. Lord, let it be, right? I can't wait. I would see, you know, my kids were, they would just have fat rolls where it's like there's no, the, you know, it's like in the middle of their arms. Some of you with little kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and man, they'd be so heavy in those carriers, just like crammed in there. And, and I, I remember we, we were walking around. We went to the uh, Little Bighorn. And we were walking all around that place. And I'm like lugging my son Jackson in the carrier all up around the, the graveyard and all these different things. And it's like, this kid, I cannot wait till he can walk, right? And, and that's not wrong to want to see growth. That's normal and natural. But what would be wrong if I, if I was just like, you know what, forget this. I'm just setting you down. I'm going to unbuckle you and just like walk, you know, like just... Work out those fat rolls. Like, you, it's time, right? You're eight months old. You should be walking by now. Let's do this. See, that, that would be wrong. And yet, how often do we do that when it comes to our spiritual walk and our spiritual life? And, and see, I, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody whose story goes from I was far from God, I met God, and I'm just fine now. I mean, temptations? What are you talking about temptations? Right? Struggles? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about with struggles. Right? That nobody's story is like that. And if that's your story, you can just keep your hand down. We can talk about that later. Maybe you're a little self-deluded. I'm not quite sure. But, but we can talk about that because, see, the reality is, is Jesus is inviting his disciples into a process with people. And that process is called discipleship. Right? It's called discipleship, and it's the same with parenting. We, we can walk with people, and we can say, hey, like, here's who Jesus is. And if they say, oh, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus, oftentimes that's where the hard work starts. That's where the difficulty starts. I don't know about you, but for me, I had some of the darkest moments of my life after I gave my life to Jesus. Some of the hardest things I ever went through after I went and gave my life to Jesus. Because Jesus is saying, Luke, this is who you are. And I kept living and I, and I was holding baggage that says, no, I think that's who I am. And Jesus is like, no, that's not who you are. And, and I had to have people walking with me and reminding me of who I now am. But it was a process. And praise God for the people who walked with me through that process. And we, as God's people, the ambassadors of Christ, are called to engage in that way. And yet there are so many times where what we want is we just want the fast track. Right? You see, but that's not where flourishing happens. Direction determined by mission leads to flourishing. It's not results. It's not popular opinion. And the last thing that we see here, see, as, as he's in, in inviting his disciples to engage in the process, the last thing that we see is that direction, it's direction determined by mission, not allegiance to labels. Not allegiance to labels. When, when the disciples show up after getting the food, they, they were down in the town, this, this Samaritan town, right? And it says in John 4, 27, just then his disciples come back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, 
what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? I love how John writes this because he's, he's writing from, the, again, the perspective of the disciples. And they show up and they're just like, they can't fit what is happening with what they understand with culture. And it's like, okay, this Rabbi Jesus, who's, who's an awesome teacher, and this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, so they're not quite sure who he is, but they're, they're, they're giving their lives to following him. And, and it's like, what, what do they see when they show up? Rabbi Jesus talking to who? Samaritan and woman. Both, both are labels that doesn't make sense with Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. What they saw were the labels. And the reality is, uh, I was listening to a pastor that, that I deeply love and resonate with. And he said, we're all in gangs. We're all in gangs. We all, we all have these, these labels on us. And, and, and again, being a, a white boy from rural Missouri, I don't know a whole lot about gangs. That might surprise you. But I've seen a few documentaries, you know. But see, the, the thing with gangs, from what I understand, is that, that there's very clear, like, hey, you don't go in this place if you have this label. You just don't. You don't mix. You don't go. You don't, you don't eat there. You don't, you don't do that. You don't be friends with these people. And yet, the, the reality is Jesus is saying, hey, we're all in that, and I'm inviting you into something deeper. I don't, have, you ever, have you ever had this happen to you where I was, I was talking to someone a couple years ago um, where we were, we were talking about some just kind of contentious political viewpoints. And he was asking me, uh, well, you know, what's your view on such and such? I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to get off on a big rabbit trail. But he's like, what's your view on this thing? And I, I'm a verbal processor and I tell people sometimes I'll say things that I don't know if I believe yet, but I got to say them to see if I believe it. Anybody there with me, right? And Yeah, and there, there are times where it's like, you know, I'll say something, and it's like, whoa, wait, I don't agree with that. So, you know, and just like, I'm just going to hit rewind. That's what that was. It was rewind. You got it? All right. And yet I was talking to this person, and as I was talking about my view and how I saw this, this issue, it's almost like I could watch his brain put me in a category where it's like, no longer am I a human being who has thoughts and feelings and desires connection, who's growing, who's trying to grow, who's trying to figure out life, who's in process. No longer am I a human being who's going through all that. Now I'm an other, right? Now, now, I'm, in a, now I'm in a category. Now, now I have a label. Now, now he, he, knows how to, how to, he knows how to work with me now. He knows how to, how to relate with me because I'm not in his camp. I'm, I'm in a different gang. And see, there are so many times where we do that. I, I was talking to a friend recently who was saying how he was, he was in a conversation with a person. And it took him about 30 minutes till he realized that there was this little voice in the back of his head that was saying, gay. They're gay. They talk gay, they sit gay, they, they're gay. And he was saying it was so uh, helpful to realize that was the voice because then he had a decision. He could switch from seeing them through this lens, through this label, to, to seeing them as human, person, made in the image of God, loved by God, desires connection, desires fulfillment, desires flourishing. 
You see, there are so many times where that's what we do. We, we look at people and all we see is label. I mean, it was just Pride Week and for, or Pride Month. And that for so many of us, uh, you know, maybe it's like, I, I don't know how to figure that out with my cultural understanding. And, and it's so hard not to see others. And it's so hard not to see labels. And it's so hard not to, to be like, well, I can't believe they would come in here. And I can't go down there. And I can't do this. And what would happen if I gave them a hug? And what would they think about me? And what would this person think about me? And what? There are so many times where these labels just, just bog us down when Jesus is saying, I have something different for you. In fact, when the disciples come back, so they were in town getting food in the Samaritan village, right? Right after this, it says that the woman left her jar, went to the village. So, so I, I, I think, I don't think this is extra biblical for me to say, the woman went past the disciples to the village that they were just in. That seems to be the way that we read scripture, that I'm reading this story. Right? You tracking with me? All right, the village, they were just in to get food. She runs back and she tells, hey, come see this man. Come meet this man that has told me everything I, I have ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Then all the people from this village that the disciples were just at, they start coming to the well where Jesus is. And what does Jesus say as they're coming to the well? Jesus says in John 4, 35, do you not say there are yet four months? Then come the harvest. Look, 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 I tell you. Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. What's he inviting them to look at? This is an actual picture of, of modern day Samaritans in their traditional um, white garb. I, I think, I, I don't think it's too much to say to, to put ourselves in, in the shoes of this story, when Jesus is saying, look, it was a literal look. And what's he inviting them to look at? A group of people coming from the village. They were just in coming up to see, could this be the one that we were longing for? People dressed in white. And Jesus is saying, all you see are Samaritans. You see gang signs. You see labels. You see, you see people who are outside. You see people who are other. I'm inviting you to see something different. What would, what would happen? What would happen if we, putting ourselves in the position of the disciples, were able to engage and look at people who just moments before, literally moments before, they're in the village having to interact with these dirty Samaritans. I mean, the hatred that were between Jews and Samaritans was just, it was wild. Moments before, they're having to deal with these dirty people and now Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to see something different. What would it look like for us to, instead of our direction being determined by all these other things, by confusion of the process and by, by public opinion and by labels and all, what would it look like for us to take a step and say, Jesus, I want to be driven by mission. From the position of grace, Right? That we are already accepted, that we are already redeemed, that Jesus loves us and cares for us and is, is so delighted in us. And from that position, we get to say, oh, Jesus, what are you inviting me into? What are you asking me? What step are you inviting me to take? What could it look like? I think, I think that part of what it could look like, maybe it looks like a, a college student who says, you know, my track was engineering. 
But instead, I, I'm going to give my life to, to ministry. I want to be a youth pastor. True story. I've seen it. What, what, it, it might look like a, a doctor in, in, in a rural setting giving up his lucrative practice and saying, you know what? I can't pretend I haven't seen what I've seen. I'm going to give this up and I'm going to take my family and I'm going to be mission, we're going to be missionaries overseas. I've seen it. It's beautiful. It, it could be people giving up a Friday night to go feed people who are hungry downtown Columbia. It's beautiful. It could be somebody saying, you know, my neighbor's a real piece of work. But what if they're made in the image of God? What if, what if God has placed me in the neighborhood that he's placed me in, in the house that he's placed me in, because he loves that neighbor that I'm really struggling to love? What if... What would it look like for us to say, I want my direction to be determined by more than just the American dream, by more than just popular opinion, by more than these labels, by more? What would it look like for us to go downtown and and just have our eyes open and and maybe maybe engage with people who who we wouldn't normally engage with and, and, I don't know, give out hugs? I I don't know. What would it look like? But see, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? And, and, and hopefully you're catching on to this. I, I think that when we come from a place that we are already accepted, to take a step, it might be scary. But we can't fail. Do you believe that? Let me say it again. Coming from a place that we are already accepted, to take a step and say, God, I think this might be what you want me to do. We can't fail because I, if you are accepted and you are, you are loved, then it's like, oh, that's awesome. That's what I wanted you to do. And, you know, next time we're going we're gonna to direct that just a little bit more, right? Maybe you fell on your face. Maybe, maybe, maybe you pooped your pants because you're, you know, still a little baby Christian. And that's okay, Because you're loved and you're accepted. And what would it look like for us to be a group of people that says, yeah, we're not perfect. But we are loved and we are accepted. And our direction is being determined by mission, not the labels that we keep putting on everybody. We're going to be engaged in the process, even if that process is confusing. So that's discipleship. That's what we're called to, church. Amen? Amen. And I think that when we do that, we see beautiful things happen. And, and yet the, the reality is it's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult to figure out. And yet that's why, that's why as Julie talked about, we're doing this made for a purpose conversation over the, the uh, Mondays in July. And I would strongly encourage you. This is the first time we're doing this. I'm, I'm teaching it. My wife is going to help me. Uh, we're just going to kind of figure out like it, literally what I'm doing is just like, I don't know if this is it, but I'm going to take a step. And I love when we as a congregation can come together and we start to talk about who does God call me to be? Because when we start to talk about being, then we can start talking about doing. What is God calling me to do? How has God gifted me? We're going we're gonna to talk about this kind of in concentric circles where it's like, man, first we got to talk about who, what's our identity in Christ? Who is God calling me to be? And then what has he gifted me with? And then where is he calling me to use those giftings and step into 
And so my, I, I would encourage you, we're, we're going to take a step together. If you want to come and join us, go to compasscfc.com events, sign up. would love to have you come and join us. And also, like, we're doing loaves and fishes every third Friday. If you're like, I don't know what step to take, that's such an easy one. So easy. Take it. And maybe for you, maybe for you this morning, it's just saying yes. Saying yes to, to the, the path that Jesus has for you. It's to, to lay down, it's to say the truth and say, Jesus, I'm really scared. I'm, I'm scared of what this could mean. I'm scared of what this step might look like. Because if I take that step, what if you ask me to do another step? And then if, you, if I take that step, what if you ask me to take another step? And then, and then I'm in a country in Africa where I said as a teenager, I never wanted to be, and I knew you'd do that to me, God, right? I, I, Compass Church, I believe, I believe that as a church, if we are people who are saying, we don't have it figured out, but we're going to take a step and we're going to say yes to Jesus, I believe beautiful, beautiful things are going to happen. Amen? And I'm excited about it. I, I want to close with this. The, uh, one of my favorite missionary biographies is uh, Through Gates of Splendor. And if you've never read it, I'm going to completely spoil it for you, but that's all right. It's your fault that you haven't read it yet, so you can go read it. But it talks about this, uh, this guy named Jim Elliott, and he was, I think it was like Ohio or something. Ohio, Iowa, Idaho, one of those states that sounds like that. Um, but he, uh, Jim Elliott was this guy that he just had everything going for him, like everything. Um, and and as, as he was, yeah, band can come up. Thanks, Molly. And as, as he was kind of going through his life, thinking about what he wanted to do next, I mean, he was top of his class, star of the football team, all these different things. He had a deep belief that God was calling him to the mission field. He had a deep belief that God was calling him to South America, to Ecuador. Um, and everybody was like, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. You have so much to offer. Why would you do that? Why would you do that with your life? Why would you throw everything away? Why would you, you know, you're successful here. You don't want to go to those people. You don't want to go to them. They're, they're others, you know. And, and yet he's like, no, that's where God's calling me to go. And, and as the book goes, when Jim Elliott was 28, 28 years old, in 1956, January 8th, 1956, the second time he had interacted with this tribe that, that him and four of, the other, four of his friends really, they wanted to reach them with the gospel because they were super violent. Second time they interacted with them, they came out of the jungle and speared them to death. 28 years old. And as I, as I read this book, uh, the first time I read it, it was just so gut-wrenching because with, with the story, they had some pictures that uh, Time magazine had, had taken. And there was one story, black and white story, or picture, black and white picture of uh, Jim's wife, their 10-month-old little girl, and the other wives of, the, of his other friends that were sitting around a table just waiting to hear what had happened to their husbands. It was just like, I can still feel the emotion behind that. Just even like reading the story and seeing the picture, and it's just like, oh. Such a tragedy. And it was a tragedy. 
for, for a man 28 years old to lose his life while his young wife and young daughter are sitting at home waiting to hear was, it's a tragedy. And yet, Jim Elliott wrote this in his journal, and this is a quote. He got it from somebody else, but, but this quote is uh, attributed to him. Jim says, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, it was a tragedy for Jim to lose his life that day. And yet I believe what Jim's life showed is that he would have said, it's worth it. It's worth it. His direction was not determined by success. It wasn't determined by comfort. It wasn't determined by anything other than the fact he's saying, I just want to be where my father leads me. I just want to go where God is leading me. And that might mean really hard things, but man, it's going to be beautiful. It's the invitation for us, church. Would you pray with me? God, as I think about just where, where you're leading us, where you're engaging us, where you're inviting us to go, God, I, I confess that there is confusion. It's so confusing sometimes to figure out where, where do you want us to be and, and how do we know that you're speaking? How do we know that you're leading? How do we know all these different things? It's so confusing and we can put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples. And it's so hard to know what, what might be that step. What's the step you're asking us to take? And yet, God, as a, as a church, as a congregation, as individuals who are seeking hard after you, God, people who, de- who desire to be connected, who desire flourishing, who desire to live a life that, that means something. God, would, would you allow us would you allow us to hear your words to us, inviting us to think differently, inviting us to live a deeper life? God, help us not to be sidetracked by the confusion or the frustration with the process. Holy Spirit, would you help us to be a church that is engaged in your mission? Because we are loved. We are loved by you and you love the people that you're encouraging us to go to. You love that Samaritan woman and you love the disciples and you're inviting us into a deeper story. Right now, God, I pray that you would help us to know what it means to say yes to that. What's the step that you're inviting us into? It might be small. might be saying an encouraging word to our kids on the way home. It might be, might be engaging that neighbor. It might, it might be selling some things and saying yes to, I don't know. I don't know, God. Would you, would you, would you speak? We want to hear you. We want to be a church. It's on mission. God, don't let us get sidetracked. Don't don't let us be a church that's just been here and so we're going to keep being here. I don't want that. Close the doors, Jesus. Close the doors if that's what it is. Man, I pray, like Craig said last week, I pray against the spirit of religion. 
God, help us to live in the grace that you offer. It's in your name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.